I will never forget my freshman year of high school. For kindergarten through eighth grade, I attended a private Christian school that was a wonderful experience for me. I had wonderful teachers, lots of awesome friends. But as I was entering ninth grade, the high school that was associated with that Christian school closed. And so, not by choice, but by circumstance, I ended up attending the local public high school. And it was a tough transition for me. I went from knowing others and being known to being unknown and having mostly no connections in the school. I can remember being in my homeroom freshman year in Mr. Stebbins' class in the lower level of the school, sitting there watching others interact, you know, laughing, oh, hey, good to see you, how was your summer, and feeling alone. Walking in the halls and not having anyone to say hi to, getting picked on. trying to make connections, but also feeling misunderstood. And as a part of a freshman on a sports team, having to do lots of tasks that other people didn't want to do, mainly upperclassmen. I kind of think this is what it feels like to be an immigrant. It is like Your whole life is your freshman year of high school. You don't know anyone. People don't know you. You get picked on, made fun of. You watch other people who are established in the community greet each other, enjoying the benefits of having been here for a longer period of time. You have to work harder than other people and do the jobs that they don't want to do because of your status. You feel misunderstood and possibly hopeless. You don't have to be someone that's really tracking with the news to know that immigration has been a huge subject in our country in the last year plus. Conversation and dialogue around this issue has been going on for a long time, but it's been particularly heated in this last season. The question that I want to pose today is, what does the Bible say as followers of Jesus is to be our attitude, our stance, and our action towards outsiders, towards immigrants, towards foreigners. What does God say is our responsibility to those that have come to this nation? Does God have anything to say about that? And if He does, what is His heart for those that are immigrants? Now, this is the last week in our Love Your Neighbors series. We've talked about kind of loving the stranger and how everyone is your neighbor. We saw that in the Good Samaritan. And really, love makes you a neighbor. We talked about 
loving the people that you live with as being front and center of God's call for our lives. And last week we talked about how God's kids love kids. That there's a special place for kids in God's heart. And they are fully included as members of God's community. And those that know God's love and love God, love those that are in lower levels of standing. Jesus uses kids as an example. And this week, we're rounding out the series by tackling this subject of immigration and immigrants. And here is what we are going to find. The Bible commands us to love your foreigner as yourself. Love your foreigner as yourself. I'm saying that in kind of an awkward way to imitate love your neighbor as yourself. But it's love your foreigner, the foreigners in your life, in your situation, as you would love yourself. We're going to look at a passage from the Old Testament in Leviticus 19. If you have a Bible, you want to turn there, we're going to we're going to jump to two different sections in this. It's Leviticus 19. That's, that's the third book of the Bible. You want to make your way from the front. Okay, we're going to pick up in verse 9, and then in a minute we're going to jump down to verse 33. So this is Leviticus 9. This passage is talking to the Israelites about some of the commands that God is giving. There's a whole list in this chapter, and here's a couple of them. Verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land... You shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. Verse 33. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as a native among you. And you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Just to put an exclamation point on that. I am the Lord your God. The Bible clearly says in this passage, we are to love your foreigners as yourself. They are explicitly your neighbors. Now, there are all kinds of commands in the Old Testament about immigrants. And there's a little bit of confusion because there's kind of two different things at play. On the one hand, you have these commands like we just read. Welcoming the foreigner, taking care of them, letting your crops, you know, some of the crops that are falling to the ground remain there, okay? You also see, if you've read the Bible at all, this command to not associate with other nations. It kind of makes you think, okay, what is the Bible really saying here? We're not supposed to associate with these people or intermarry with them. You hear that command multiple times but we're supposed to welcome them in and treat them as if they're a native. Well, let me clarify this. There are actually four different words for a foreigner in the Old Testament. Okay? One of them 
if you want to know the Hebrew, I think it's pronounced like lun or something like that. It's like a refugee. It's someone that is stuck in your land and doesn't necessarily want to end up there. You know, it's like, you know, you're, I went on a, a few years ago, I was a chaperone on a Spanish-speaking trip to Ireland. Let you think about that one for a minute. Yes, I chaperoned a foreign language Spanish-speaking trip to Ireland because we flew out when that volcano erupted in Iceland. And we were able to land in Dublin, but then we couldn't get out of Dublin because of the volcanic ash in the air. So I was a refugee, so to speak, in Ireland, speaking Spanish. Hola, como estas? And so I tried to do that with an Irish accent the whole time. It was very fun. But that's the point of this word in Hebrew, okay? You can try that at home. Lun, okay? Someone that doesn't necessarily want to be there, they're a refugee, they're stuck. Life has stranded them in your country. There's another word, nikar. Hebrew's pretty rusty. This is an alien. This is someone who will not necessarily agree to keep the laws of a country or has any desire at all to assimilate into that nation. It is these people that God is commanding Israel not to intermarry with, primarily because of the religious question, meaning he did not want them to worship any other gods. And so those that were not willing to forsake all of their gods and become a part of the nation of Israel and worship Yahweh alone, God said, do not bring them in. Do not intermarry with them. Do not mix with them because it will cause you to follow other gods. So that's the word there. That so, it's someone who is not willing to keep the laws of the country or to assimilate into that group. The third word is toshav. This is kind of like an expat. Okay? It's someone who's part of the culture but still kind of is longing for the old country and may return. Right? But they're willing to be a part of the society. They're willing to obey the laws. They're, they're, they're into it. But they're saying, ah, you know, Italia, I long for the fields, you know, the vineyards. And, uh, okay. The fourth word is someone that's truly an immigrant. They are coming into this nation because they want to be a part of it. The word for this is, is ger, or plural would be gerim. It's someone who's looking for a new home and wants to be a part. They want to obey the laws, they want to assimilate into the culture, and they want to be a part of that. So, all of this is just to explain there's complexity in the Old Testament. But the division is along those who want to be a part of Israel are welcomed in at every turn. Those who want to worship Yahweh are always welcome. There's examples of this all over the Old Testament. Right? Moses marries a non-Israelite named Zipporah. She's a Midianite, Jethro's daughter. Rahab, when they enter the land, she's part of the enemy, and yet they welcome her in as one of them. And she ends up in the lineage of Jesus. No small point. The entire book of Ruth is a case study in this. Ruth is the Moabitess. She is the immigrant coming into a new land leaving her own people, but wanting to say, no, Naomi, I'm going with you. 
She wants to become a part of their people. It's all over the Old Testament. Uh, One other one. Caleb was not an Israelite. And just to mention, the whole mixed multitude that went out, it says in Exodus 12 or 13, that went out with Israel that said, wow, Yahweh really is the God. We're going with you. It's all over. So these commands to kind of push people away, to not intermarry with other peoples, was purely from an idea of they are not willing to worship Yahweh alone. And if you accept them and accept their gods, you will turn away from God's heart. Does this make sense? Okay? So in this, you, you have to hear God's heart for the immigrant. It's always welcoming those, right, that are desiring to be a part of his community. Now, according to one source, so I forgot to mention this, but it was not supposed to be me standing up here today. Aaron Engler from uh, High Rock North Shore was actually scheduled to preach, but he had to cancel, and it wasn't last minute. He gave me plenty of notice, but um, he just couldn't be here. There was a scheduling conflict. So you're stuck with me, and I apologize for that. But as, as, as I compared some of it with his notes, one of the things that he said, he said there, there are 92 commands in the Old Testament regarding justice towards the foreigner. 92, which makes it the third most common command in the Old Testament. Can you believe that? Third most. The only two that are above it are number two, do not fear. We're still working on that one. And number one, worship only the Lord your God. Apparently for humans, fear is a really big deal, as is looking to other gods and not treating immigrants the way they're supposed to be treated via God's heart. Let's look at America. Fear, really big deal. Worshiping only God and not money or pleasure, really big deal. Treating immigrants as if they were a native person, really big deal. Why? Because people don't really change that much throughout history, we still struggle with the same things. This is a huge deal to God. Now these commands go in two directions, actually. One of them is just kind of the justice direction. Okay? So all through the Old Testament, you'll hear commands like, the foreigners should get a Sabbath day's rest just like everyone else. Exodus 20.10. They should be paid a fair wage that is paid on time. Don't take advantage of them just generally because they are vulnerable people. These are all different references, and just if you want to know them later, I can tell you. Another one, they should have an equal standing in court like anyone else, and also they should be accountable to the law like anyone else. That's kind of the justice piece. They're supposed to be treated in Israel, like a native citizen, as if they have been there as long as your people, your ancestors have. But the other direction is to go out of your way to help them. Right? That whole section that I read was for a purpose about not harvesting every corner of every field and leaving some food behind. 
seems silly to talk about this right now, but fall is coming. Okay, as we're sitting here in the heat. Some, come on. I don't know if you've ever been to Russell Orchards. Right? You go apple picking there, I guess. We can talk about the summer, the strawberry picking, right? But at the end, I always notice how many apples there are on the ground. And I asked someone about it once, like, maybe it was my wife did, Jade. Like, are you, are you, you guys, do you guys gather those? And they're like, no, they just, they just leave, leave them there. I'm like, oh, you know, there's so many good apples on the ground. But it's just, it's just not worth it for them. That's the picture of what God is saying is you're leaving stuff for the poor and the foreigner in this passage that we read. He's commanding them not to be greedy and to go back, which you could be. Back then, it probably would have been profitable to gather all that stuff up. It's an agrarian society. You're fighting for survival. It's not just making a dollar. You get a bad harvest. You could die, right? I mean, this is a serious deal. And again, that's what we see play out in the book of Ruth. It's how Ruth is able to make it because Boaz is following the law. So, we see two directions for this. Justice, but also compassion. Justice for them, but also someone reaching out, making a sacrifice, doing something in a positive direction for those that are foreigners. Alright, so that was the Old Testament, right? I mean, what does, that, what does that mean for us? I mean, you know, Israel's not a theocracy anymore. There's not a temple or tabernacle we're living in a totally different time. True. So the question then is, what is God's heart? Now, first thing I want to say, most governments do this same kind of thing that I was talking about. They, generally speaking, allow people into their country that are wanting to follow the laws and become a part of that society. And obviously, America has a huge history of that. Ellis Island and, and, and all of that history around immigration. And the government is not trying to allow people that are not going to obey the laws. They're trying to keep those people away because they're a threat to the society. Okay, And that seems to be what the Bible is also saying. That that is not a bad thing to keep people out that are a threat. But I guess the question is, one thing to, to think through is, where are most immigrants at on that spectrum? So let's just talk about the elephant in the room over there. Right? There it is in the corner. You can look at it. Okay? Can't actually see it. Sorry. It's imagining. Okay? Muslims. If most Muslims were terrorists, there would be an attack every day. Everywhere, practically. All you need is a car and a knife. I mean, that's what happened in England. Right? So, we have to adjust our lens if it is skewed in some way of viewing everyone that is a Muslim as a terrorist. Now, I'm obviously not saying that I agree with Islam then I would not be a Christian. What I am saying is not every Muslim is a terrorist and probably almost all Muslims, almost all of them are not terrorists. 
and many of them love this country and want to be contributing members of society and obey the laws and are looking for a better situation for their family. So, what should our immigration policy be? I'm not really going to go there. Because it's complex. But to say something, it should be protecting the country from those that would seek to harm it, but not limiting those that want to be a part of it and are looking for a better life for their family. That seems to be what God is communicating His heart is in the Old Testament. So that's really simplified. And there's tons of complexity around that. But as believers, we should be excited about people coming into this country. Because it means God might not call you to Sudan. (laughs) Now he still might. But I'm just saying, we should be like, yes! More people that are from countries that have never heard the gospel coming into our borders, what an opportunity! Because then maybe they'll go back, and I won't have to. I'm just speaking selfishly, okay? I'm just trying to make the point. In our movement, people are moving to parts of the world that for most of us, scare the heck out of us. And they're in countries where we're not even allowed to say. They don't make the go book that talks about the teams that we have around the world. And they are going there. Why? Because God loves those people with the same intensity of love that he loves Jesus. Right? They are loved. And as believers, love your foreigner as yourself. That is the command for us. So we are called to help the foreigner. To love them. This includes not taking advantage of them, not paying them a less wage because they don't have a green card, or not you know, somehow manipulating someone because of what they're doing. But it's also going out of your way to care for them. Now, this is going to be different for everybody because God, we're all on a different journey in terms of what it looks like for you specifically and the level to which God says, this is, this is my call for you. But somehow I think there is a blessing for us as well. There's a blessing. It's a friend of mine from my growing up years. I, I grew up down the street from him. His name is Kyle. And Kyle was a really interesting guy. Somehow, he always made friends with the people that were just different. So he was a couple years older than I, but we both ended up at Gordon College. And uh, there's a guy, there's a guy that still works there. His name is Marvin, Marvino. And he works in the dishroom. And every, every day when I was a student there at Gordon, he would say, thank you, thank you. And he was from, he's from Latin America. And uh, Kyle became friends with this guy, like a real friend. So uh, one of the years when I was there, I think it was my freshman year of Gordon, I came home for Easter break. And there's Kyle with Marvino. 
Like, he invited him to come to his house and stay over Easter. For me, that was like, kind of rocked my world a little bit. I was like, oh, I never thought to invite Marvin to my house for Easter, who does the dishes in the dish room. But Kyle did. And that was a huge blessing for me, for Marvin, but for Kyle too. So now, when I still go to Gordon, through Kyle, because Kyle was able to look beyond the typical, these are who my friends are because they look like me. Because he was able to look beyond that, I now have a friend that I still talk to at Gordon when I'm there. He's a wonderful guy. Why? Because Kyle has a piece of God's heart there that, for me, I didn't really have. There's a blessing for us, too, in this. So why is this such a big deal in the Old Testament? Right? I mean, why is, why, why is this God's heart? Why, why is he calling us to, you know, not manipulate people? Maybe that's obvious. But also to go out of our way to engage with them and show compassion. Well, God is for the foreigner. God is for the foreigner. And we are all foreigners in some ways. Where you read about this? The Israelites were foreigners in Egypt. God was saying it should be easy for you to relate to these people that are down and out or are disadvantaged because you were slaves. You were at the lowest possible point, right? More brick, less straw. Jesus identifies with the immigrant because he was one. Not only did he bridge the largest cultural gap in the history of the world, that being the culture of heaven to earth, but he himself was a refugee in Egypt when his family was sent down there by an angel because of Herod killing all the babies. The Bible says that we are aliens and strangers or foreigners on the earth. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says twice, you are not of this world. Philippians says our citizenship is in heaven. And then in Hebrews 11 and 1 Peter 2, it says that we are strangers or aliens or exiles on the earth. We can identify with foreigners because our culture, the culture of heaven, is different than the culture of the world. And so God is for the foreigner. He identifies with the foreigner. He became a foreigner. He experienced refugee and immigrant, being less than, being from Nazareth where nothing good can come. And if we're honest, we are all racist or culturist in some way. We just, we just are. We have those lenses. Now, look at Peter for a minute. Peter, who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, Son of the living God. And Jesus is like, Peter, you got it. On this rock, I will build my church kind of alluding to Peter, but also alluding to the truth of what he just said. And Peter is an absolute racist. 
God has to give him a vision. Actually, he has to give him two visions. Nope, three visions. It takes three visions in the book of Acts to prepare him to just be willing to go to a Gentile's home and share the gospel with them. We're talking about Peter. Inner circle of three. Right? Jesus is, you know, one of the right-hand guys there. On this rock I'll build my church. You got it, Peter. He's standing up in Acts chapter 2. He's the church planner. He's the guy. He's the leader. He's a racist. Three visions. The Lord has to say, Peter, no, do not condemn, right, what I, what I make holy, what I call clean. So, that begs the question to us is not, am I a racist, but where is that in me? That's really the question that we have to ask is, where is that in me? The seriousness, I think Jesus captures in Matthew 25. The way we treat strangers is how we treat Jesus. Jesus says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was a stranger, a stranger, a foreigner, and you welcomed me. Wait, 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 I didn't see you, Jesus. Where, where do we see you? However you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. This is God's heart. He is for the foreigner. He is for the foreigner. And as followers of Jesus, like we talked about with children last week, where Jesus says, hey, unless you come to me like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. I think Jesus is saying again, unless you recognize that you're a foreigner, you were foreign to me, but I still loved you, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. It's when we recognize how foreign we were to God, that we, were, we made ourselves enemies of Him, and how foreign our culture was to Him. When we see that, it makes it easy to love those that are foreign to us. All right, so what do I do? How do I actually love the foreigner around me? I mean, what does that look like? Especially in a, you know, a city or a, a little bit of an area that's mainly white, I think it's as simple as, I just want to say, foreigners are your friends. Foreigners are your friends. So, notice the people, first of all, around you that are immigrants. That don't look like you or might have an accent. Stop and get to know them. Make them feel welcome. They're everywhere. When I taught in Manchester by the sea, let me back up a little bit. 
There's a woman that used to attend the harbor that is still kind of a part of our movement who is teaching at Malden High. And she sent me an email a year or two ago of a list of all the public schools in Massachusetts. And Malden was number one for diversity on the list, where she is still a teacher. She's a social worker. And last on the list was good old Manchester Essex. <laughs> she sent me a little humorous line and said, ha ha, you know. And so even in Manchester, guess who's cleaning the hallways? A buddy, in a, a buddy of mine named Cesar is cleaning the hallways. And as I was in my classroom and they're going through the hallways, I just said, you know what? I'm going to get to know this guy. Introduced myself, got to know his name, and then every day as I'm leaving, we're chatting. Sometimes we talk, sometimes it's just a see you later. But that's something, right? Everyone that is an immigrant wants an established friend. It's like you're that freshman in high school hoping that someone that actually has a group of friends and some social status will maybe pay attention to you. They all want that. And, and again, there's a blessing in that for you too. You have things to learn from them. We were at a, um, this conference that we went to last summer in Amsterdam. And... Uh, one of the pastors of the churches in uh, the L.A. area, uh, in our Antioch movement, made the statement. He's, he's in a mostly Latino uh, community. He's Latino himself, and uh, so most of the congregation is Latino. He made the comment that I thought was very interesting. You know, most of the people, if not all the people, in my congregation would school any of your training students on what it means to suffer and persevere. They would school them. Now, it's not to say anything bad about, you know, people that we're trying to disciple and raise up here. But it's not also just this, well, we're here to help. They have something to teach us as well that we don't get. That's just one example. So if you see someone wearing a hijab in the park, you think, wow, there's my friend. If you see the hijab, it means, I really want you to come say hi to me and talk to me. That's what that means. Right? That's what that means. People need and are looking for someone just to be their friend. And you never know where that friendship could lead for you and for them. So that's the first thing. I just think it's notice the people that are around you, right? God's heart is for them. And you have something to benefit from them as well. The second thing is maybe God is calling you to get involved in a more formal way with helping people that are immigrants in our country. So the reason I asked Aaron Engler to speak here this morning is because their church has started an organization called Open Door Immigration Services. It's based in Salem. What they do is they help immigrants file paperwork in order to become naturalized citizens. This can be 
a very intimidating, difficult, and extremely long process for someone that is wanting to become a citizen of this country. Like, really painful. There's all kinds of nightmare stories where someone misspelled February because they don't really even speak English, and their, their application was rejected, and they had to get back in line and maybe wait years. Like, we're talking about not weeks, but years because of that mistake. Okay? This organization is allowing, um, in our government, our government allows one person that's not a lawyer to represent someone else in law, and it's an immigration-trained, like, representative. You go through a 40-hour course, and then you have to do 40 hours of kind of shadowing someone that does this, and you can fill out paperwork that will be fast-tracked for someone that wants to become a citizen, and you can actually go to court and represent this person. That's what this organization is doing. They've started it. It's awesome. If you want to be a part of that, you can, to the degree of just volunteering in different, like, you know, little tasks they have to actually doing this training. One of our college students, who's one of our college leaders this year, Joe Nadler, just did this training this past week at Gordon. Just finished it up this week. Gordon offered the course this year. So I just, I just throw that out there. That is one way that you could totally engage with people that are immigrants. You could teach ESL. That is an awesome way to meet people and to get in people's lives that maybe God is calling you to reach out to. English as a second language, or ELL, English language learner. If you want other ideas, our local movement of churches has an organization, not organization, a, what's it called? a ministry called the Justice Engagement Team. The woman that's ahead of that is her name is Trisha Kiefer. And she actually just went through this training last week as well. But there's all kinds of myriad of ways in terms of our other churches reaching out to refugees. If you want to get involved in that, they have ways to plug you in. Okay? You can either ask me and I'll give you her contact information or just go on Antioch Brighton and she is on the list of staff and her email, I believe, is there, her contact information. Okay? So two places where I just sense the Lord is asking you. Look for the people that are around you. Right? But also, is God calling you to something more formal? Let's have the band come back up. So to close today, I just want to say, hey, I want to remind us of how, again, we were foreigners to God. And this morning, if maybe there's someone out here that you feel like a foreigner to God, or God feels like a foreigner to you, let me just tell you that God is always doing this. It's as simple as you saying, Lord, I recognize that I feel like there's distance between us. That's caused by the ways that I have made you an enemy, by the wrong things I've done in my life. Please forgive me. I put my trust in Jesus, Son of God, and I believe that He was raised from the dead. If you do that, God is saying, you are no longer a foreigner, but I am welcoming you into my family. The rest of us, let's just take this next, we have a little bit of time left, just to engage with the Lord around this issue. How is there racism in my heart? Lord, what are you calling me to do? Who are the people that you're going to highlight to me right now that I've seen and that I haven't stopped for that you want me to be friends with? Let's pray. So Holy Spirit, we just welcome you right now. Come and speak to us. Thank you that your heart is for the foreigner, God. You're for the foreigner, and you do command us to love your foreigners as yourself. The Holy Spirit, come. Speak to us as we sing. Thank you, Jesus.